Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Do you know what? It is good to be here today, for sure. 100%. It is good to be here. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my name is Dan. Um, I'm 35 years old. I know I look a lot older. I've got three kids. Explains everything, okay? Um, I was raised as, as a Christian. I was raised in church. So this is all I've known. But at the age of 16, our parents, my parents gave us the choice on whether we wanted to come to church or not. And I still chose. So I've been brought up in the house throughout my entire life, which is both a privilege and in a way a little bit of a disadvantage because what happens is you learn how to act and behave to put up a false front. So when your parents ask how church was there, you'd be like, oh, cool up a And um, they'd be like, oh, that's good. That's really good. But really, I was, you know, you could just put up a front or you could just say, oh, we learned about this and this. But actually, I got very good at just being able to regurgitate rather than actually live out what I was saying I was meant to be living out. So you learn how to talk the talk, but you're not actually walking the walk. So one of the things I want to explain today is, is one of the things that I learned when I was young, but there were mistakes that I learned that I carried through to my adult life, and there were misconceptions. Now what I want to do today as well is, is not to assume that everybody had the same upbringing as me, that they were brought up in church and these things were already taught to you. I want to assume that nobody knows anything, all right? Because that's a good level playing field, and then we can all learn together. Are you with me on this? All right, good. Right, so, uh, my topic is Holy Spirit, who and why? Not who, what, where and why, just who and why, all right? Who and why? Now, when I was younger, I believed something about the Holy Spirit, which was a little bit odd. But before I get to that, I'm going to try and figure out some things from my childhood that I believed, but I actually found out more recently were wrong. Has anybody kind of realized those things as you've grown up? When I learned that, I was absolutely certain that was true, but I've since found out something's a little bit odd. The first thing being E.T., right? Oh, look at him. So cute, right? What's the famous line from E.T.? E.T. phone home. No, it's not. It's not. I found this out and I replayed it. He says E.T. home phone. E.T. home phone. And then what happens is a young Drew Barrymore comes in and says E.T. phone home. But E.T. doesn't say phone home. He says home phone. Right, I could just go home now, right? Blown your mind. Next one. Okay, next slide. There's two here. Does anybody recognize the one on the left? Annie. The, the line for the song is, it's, it's a hard not life is not true. It's the, it's the hard not life. Three little pigs are huff and are puff and I'll blow your house in. In. I know, I know, destroyed me, literally. I'm crying on the inside. Next one. Now this is the most, 
most painful for me because I thought I was a Star Wars fan. Okay, what is the famous saying? <sighs> Luke, I am your father. No. What he actually says is, no, I am your father. He doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. He says, no, I am your father. He doesn't say it. Trauma. Trauma on the deepest level. Now, the next one is the one that I want to bring you back to, right? Which was my childhood belief of what... I thought the Holy Spirit was, because I was taught to think he was a Holy Ghost, right? So the, the old mentality or old language is Holy Ghost, right? It's like a lot of the songs had this. So this was my portrayal of what I thought Holy Ghost looked like. Does anybody else think of the Holy Ghost like that? Jane, thank you. Everybody else is just looking at me like I'm a complete loon, right? So I thought it was like a ghost, like Casper. You know, ethereal, didn't floated and didn't do a lot other than scare you. Now, the dog dressed as a ghost thing was meant to be like a spirit, but I was scared like I'd scare kids. So that's my, I didn't believe it was actually a dog dressed as a, as a spirit. All right. I just thought it was some sort of spirit. And the spirits I was taught about, or I learned about, more importantly, I thought was scary. All right. So I had this contrast of he was like a friendly ghost and he was also a scary authority that I didn't know anything about and they could jump out of nowhere and scare you. Both are wrong, also very wrong. And what I'm gonna try and do is I'm gonna try and take the enormity of this subject and try and make it compact, all right? Now the way I'm gonna do this is with some very odd things. Next slide, with eggs, triangles, the trinity, and me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, please don't take that photo away with you because it's not a good one. All right. Eggs, triangles, trinity, and me. Now, eggs. You might be thinking, what on earth has this got to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, you're going to find out in just a minute. I have got some eggs right here. Two eggs, actually. The last two eggs in my household. They are raw. I'm shaking it as if that you can hear anything, but you can't. Yeah, you can tell that's raw. Come up, Liam. Let's test if it's raw. <laughs> I do actually want you to come up. Can you come up for me? Um, the egg is the strongest organic shape that you can create. All right? So I want you to take that and try and squash it between your fingers that way around. Not sideways, vertically. Oh, you're very strong. I've heard from, from Lisa when she has to do the, the jars because you can't. All right, just try and... Squeeze it. <laughs> Squeeze. Go on, use two hands if you want to. All right, does anybody else think they're stronger than Liam? Come on then, Ezra, come on. I want you to stand up here. All right. Some guidance may be required. This is my son, by the way, for those of you, those of you who don't know. Right, so I want you to take the top and bottom. All right, and try and squeeze as hard as possible. Go on, uh, uh, look at his face. Oh. Dude, you are awesome and you are strong, but the egg was stronger. Go sit down, give him, a, give him a round of applause. It is raw, it's the strongest organic shape. Now, it is also made up of three parts, but it is still an egg. So this is where 
I'm going to get my lovely whiteboard out. All right. Well, it's going to be very simplistic, actually. <laughs> an egg, right, is on basic form, right, we're not going scientific. An egg is a shell. Yeah, we all know that because we have to break the shell. It has the white on the inside. And it also has a yellow bit called the yolk. Now, for everybody else, that looks like an avocado. But because we're talking about an egg, that is an egg, right? So we have one, two, three parts. Three separate functions which do different things. So the egg shell protects it. The white thing, white thing actually becomes a form of protein and resource. And then the yolk is actually the undeveloped chick. Three things, but does that make it any less of an egg? No, it is an egg by its entirety. You take all three components, all three functions, and they are consumed with one identity, which is an egg. All right? Next one. Triangle. I'm going to ask you, what's the strongest inorganic shape on man in mankind, on all of creation? It's a triangle. Triangle, right? Now we can see this in something which is, I don't know whether this class is organic or not, but a diamond, hardest thing on planet Earth, is actually made up of a structure of a series of triangles that are all interlinked. All right? Again, one, two, three items, right? Each equally dependent on the other, codependence. Or most importantly, they require unity. All right. Now, if I remove, so this we're going to get into some structural side of things now, and possible mathematics. Andy Vinton, he was my math teacher. I failed, not because he was a bad teacher, <laughs> but because some students just have the inability to be taught. All right. I am sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> some people have a knack for maths. Others. We want to do art. <laughs> right. So if I remove this bottom section, it is no longer a triangle. Right? If I apply force to this point, what happens? It spreads. It falls apart. The whole structure has no substance. In engineering, we call this, this section the tie beam. All right? Because what it's doing is it's tying this structure to this structure. And because it's forcing them to stay together, the force is actually distributed across the whole thing. These two are in compression. This one's in tension, just in case you wanted to know any future engineers. All right, Liam. OK, Trinity. You can see up there on the far right, this is a medieval version of how to explain the Trinity. It's all in Latin. But actually, it's pretty accurate, all right? Because it is three things, like a triangle. But before I go on to that, I'm going to fast track to me and then come back to the Trinity, okay? So this is another way I'm going to use. <laughs> that photo really isn't a good photo. Another way to explain it for me is first of all, I was born to parents, right? Regardless of of where you come from, you were born of someone, which makes you either a son or a daughter, right? So first and foremost, I am a son, right? 
But then sooner or later, as a son grows up and becomes a teenager, hormones kick in and they start to get interested in the other gender and then they get married. And all of a sudden I'm married, but I'm no longer just a son, I become a husband. Now may I tell you, the relationship I have with my parents is not the same relationship I have with my wife. Yes? I am grateful for this fact. Okay? We won't go into the details of how, why, but you're all intelligent people, all right? But then also, the nature of being a husband, men, husbands and wives do what husbands and wives do, and I became a father. Yes? Now, again, let me just say, my interaction with my children is not the same interaction I have, number one, with my parents, and it's not the same interaction I have with my wife, but it is different. Does that make me a different person? My identity is, I am still Dan. I am still Dan Hunston. However, there are three different forms of relationship, three almost separate personalities, but the same identity. I am interacting with my parents with love and compassion, and also guilt because I put them through so much. All right, with my wife, I also have guilt because I put her through so much. And then my kids, I am trying my best to be the best dad. And I, I frequently fail, but it's important that they know that I do. Because if they ever, only ever saw perfection, they would expect it of themselves. So it's important they see my failures as well as my strengths. Okay, so we've got three explanations here. All of them will bring us back to the Trinity. So can we get the Trinity back up? All right, so the reason I'm talking about the Trinity is because we're talking about Holy Spirit, who is one personality of the identity of God, okay? Now, this is a really good example, okay? So I'm going to draw it, but I'm going to pull it back into modern English, all right? So, Peter, that is Father, but I'm going to do it in a slightly different way, just to make it a little bit more straightforward, okay? Father. Down the bottom, on the left-hand side, Phileas, son. All right? Son. And this one, Sanctus Spiritus, is Holy Spirit. And in the middle, you can see in the circle, is juice. I don't know whether I'm saying it right. But is it Deus? I'm glad there's someone who knows Latin. Secretly jealous. And I'm writing Deus instead of... God. <laughs> but what it's also saying is you might see these in these sections. Non est, it means not is. And then the ones going back to the Father or the Son, so um, God in the middle, is. So what it's actually saying is Father is God, but is not the Son and is not the Holy Spirit. He is a separate personality and it does it with every single one of them it says also the son is god but not god in its entirety because god is, is the son is not the father and is not the holy spirit remove one element and you have not got god in his entirety now it kind of makes sense god as big as he is does have to have a form of some sort of division the technical term is trichotomy trichotomy the division into three now this is also where we get to the christianese word of trinity 
The word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible. However, the evidence of three personalities in unity, tri-unity, is evident. So the terminology is not in existence. We've created it to aid our understanding. All right? Tri-unity, Trinity, but actually it's not in the Bible. Only evidence of the three personalities are. Now, the first scripture that we use as this is for a basis is Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the most common one for explaining there are three separate personalities. However, it is not the first instance that we see three personalities or evidence of more than two. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now what's interesting is the ancient Hebrew language has three different ways to say the same thing. So in English, we've got a single or we've got a plural. Now in ancient Hebrew, you've got a single, a dual, or a plural. Now it's interesting when they're mentioning God, here, they are using the word Elohim. Elohim. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Elohim. Which is not singular, which is not dual is plural, which means it is more than two. So it has to be a minimum of three. Okay? I'm going to go on to the next one. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let me, does he say let me? Read it with me. Let me make mankind in my image and in my likeness. No. Is, do you think this is an error of 2,000 years worth of transliteration and translation. Actually, no, this is in the original text too. So when they were t talking about ancient Hebrew, they did not mistranslate this. It says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that m they, m they may rule over the fish in the sea. All right? Us. Further evidence, Genesis 30 verse 22. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of... Us. Again, the plural. Evidence that there is more than two. And then the last one I'll give you an example of. There are, there are literally hundreds. But the last one is in Genesis 11, verse 6 to 7. It's a story about the Tower of Babel, or Babel, where mankind believed they could create a tower so tall that they could be equal with God. So what happens is, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. We'll pause there. Single language unites a people. So when we're talking about a language of love and encouragement, there is nothing we cannot achieve as a church, as long as we are singular in vision, in language, and in thought. Anyway, pause on that one. And then at verse 7 it says, come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Interesting. All these different scriptures have the same thing. 
that there is three. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to explain how and why this is relevant to you as a person. Because, as we've already read, we believe that we are made in God's image. Which, if you believe it or not, is true. Alright? So I'm going to use the same diagram and I'm going to put man in the middle. Because according to my scriptures and your scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless in the coming of Christ. Now, this is where it's interesting. Body, soul and spirit. Now, going further, right, and I'm running out of time drastically. This is such a big subject. We're trying to do it in, in 25 minutes, okay? Now, my Bible says that before I believe, before I confess in God, that my spirit is dead. Right? This is a strong thought. I welcome questions. I might not be able to answer them at the end of it. But this is what my Bible says. It says we are spiritually dead or we are blind is what it describes us as. The terminology in theology is called the unregenerate man. Yeah? The spirit is dead. Or inert. Inactive. But what happens is, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Because at that point, Holy Spirit enters the God-shaped hole he had designed in your life from the moment of your conception. So at that moment, you become complete in the way God created you to be. He intended you to have your own identity, yes. However, the most crucial component to complete your identity then becomes filled. Literally, you have a God-shaped hole in your life. Which, if you have, tr- if you have been there, because I have been there, even though I said I have been raised in a, in a church all my life, there are, have been those moments I've turned away from God and I've tried to fill that void, that feeling of emptiness, loneliness, and lack of purpose with other things. That's the truth of it. I tried to fill it, and I don't know whether you're in the same position now or if you've ever been in it, but you've tried to fill that void. If you've known God, you know what it feels like, and you try to replace it. If you've never known God, then you're trying to replace something you've never experienced in the first place. So then what it takes is for us to just have enough courage to say, God, I'm willing to give this a go and believe you're real, to finish what you started creating in me and take it through because once we ask God to come into our lives literally Holy Spirit enters our lives what happens is then we start to bear fruit called fruit of the Spirit which is another subject which again I don't have time to go through which is evidence that God is in you because a fruit tree bears the fruit that it is meant to bear right so apple trees come from an apple tree but you won't get oranges from it would you The point is, if you then are owned by Christ, if you represent Christ, you will bear the fruit that represents your Father. Yes? And then there are other things that come as well. The gifts of the Spirit. Plural. Fruit of the Spirit is not plural. It's one entire thing that becomes evident. 
gifts separate, another thing. And ministry gifts, which are individuals who become gifts to the church, have a vocation, a specification, a specific area. And if you are making notes, just quickly jot this down because it is food for thought. Fruit of the Spirit is for your identification and grace. You ask God to come into your life, and what that means is then you are identifying with, with, with Christ. But you do not necessarily deserve it. That's where the grace comes in. Gifts of the Spirit. So we're talking about speaking in tongues, interpretation with tongues, gift of wisdom, operation of healing, various miracles and different things like that. Those are for the operation and power. For a church to work as a body, it requires functions within it, which are supernatural in origin. Otherwise, it's a meeting. It's not a church. And the last thing is ministry gifts of Christ. They are for regulation and service. As any body of people, of individuals, they require regulation. <laughs> Go to the hospital, yes, everybody's sick, but it would be chaos <laughs> if there was no regulation. If people weren't put into positions of power or authority or administration is one of those gifts too. You know, So there are various different ministry gifts. So those three things I want you to write down. But what your takeaway from this is... God was always there in the beginning. More importantly, the third personality was also present. Holy Spirit. Genesis 1 verse 1, Holy Spirit was there. Throughout the whole of Genesis, this plural, Elohim, where all three of them are present, are there. And then all the way through to the New Testament, even down to where a dove came upon Jesus when he was baptized, another evidence of Holy Spirit. Until finally, in Acts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where he came upon people in power. To now, to today. I'm here to tell you that Holy Spirit is present now. He is available now. And this could be your opportunity to reignite that, that getting to know the personality. Because you might know much, so much about the Father. You might know so much about the Son because you're grateful for what Jesus has done. But Holy Spirit, maybe you haven't had chance to spend time with him. But the truth is, when you're speaking to Jesus, you've got Holy Spirit alongside you, who is also intercessing with you. And we believe that he also can give you words beyond your human dialect to speak. But then if for any reason you haven't known God, you don't know who God is and things like that, well, this could be your opportunity to maybe try. And one of, the, one of the lines in the song we read was, I'm going through a storm and I'm given a peace that I don't understand. Yeah. Now I've had that so many times in my life, so many times. And there is only one explanation for me. It's my God, it's my Holy Spirit is creating a fruit of the Father in me. A peace which I wouldn't ordinarily have, which I wish I had every single time I encounter my children and a patience, but I don't always, because I'm still human. But that is evidence to me. Now our takeaway from this is, I'm gonna invite Lisa up in a minute, is maybe this is your first first time. We're gonna go, go through a prayer, or Lisa's gonna lead you in a prayer in a minute. If that's your first time, we welcome you. If it's not your first time, I encourage you 
that you are already empowered with the Holy Spirit who is residing within you because you are what theology calls a regenerate man or woman. You are regenerating from the inside. The third part of you, you're already complete. However incomplete you may feel, you need to re-acknowledge the fact that you are complete in entirety. And you are still working on the human aspect of that identity. But the God aspect, well, God's perfect and he's already in you. All right? So everyone stand to your feet a minute. And I'm just going to hand over to Lisa. Shall we? And uh, while everyone closes their eyes and just takes a second to contemplate everything that Dan has said so brilliantly today to explain to us just who this Holy Spirit is, I believe that God's just been poking his finger at you. <laughs> in kindness saying hey believe in me come follow me see once I was dead in my sin but now I've been made alive with Jesus and just as we believe in that Easter story where Jesus rose from the dead he rose with my life with it and that we can live in that freedom because when we call out to God, He's gracious to save us and empower us through His Holy Spirit to be made new. So Jesus, right now we, we pray this prayer together and we are going to pray it out loud together. So let's pray together while everyone's eyes are closed. Jesus, I come to you today knowing that I have been dead in my sin. Come and make me alive with you. Forgive me now. Give me the freedom I need today. I thank you for your free gift of grace. And the power of your Holy Spirit that makes me able to live for you. Make me new today. Empower me today as I choose to live for you. And Jesus, right now, as people have prayed that for the first time or are coming back to that place today where they acknowledge you as their saviour as their lord that this does mean that life will change forever as they choose to follow you and make their lives obedient to you Jesus I pray that you would come and empower them now by your Holy Spirit that right now every single one of us will be reminded of the pilot light that has gone on inside us that you would turn up the gas in our lives that your, your Holy Spirit God right now 
now would just come and fall in this place. That it would empower us, Lord Jesus, to move and to live under the authority that You have given us as followers of You, as graced human beings made whole in this moment. God, that we would live out of that place of knowing just how amazing You are, Holy Spirit. Jesus' name.